All right. How many of you have ever been to the Black Hills of South Dakota? All right. Maybe on a motorcycle. Maybe you drove up there. But my guess is you went to see this. All right. What, no matter why you went up there, you made, a, you made a trip over to see that. It is a beautiful place. It is a great statement of America. But most of us weren't around, I believe it was back in the 30s when this was first started um, by Mr. Borglund. And this is what the mountain looked like when he first went there. It was unprecedented. You know, I have a friend who's a lumberjack up in the Northwest. And I asked him one day, I said, how many trees have you cut down? He said, 14,726. I said, what? 14,726. I said, how would you know that? He said, he said I kept a log. <laughs> Perhaps I should get to work. Um, <clears throat> So Isaiah, we talked about last week, Isaiah is a rock star. A lot of prophets were not rock stars. They were, uh, their lives were constantly threatened. Jeremiah uh, is abused. Jeremiah is thrown into a bottom of a well and left to die. Uh, Jeremiah's abused his entire ministry. Ezekiel abused his entire ministry. Isaiah has a different role. Isaiah sits basically outside the door of the palace for four different kings in Jerusalem. He is there for 60 years. Even the people who do not believe in God listen to the voice of Isaiah. Because they know Isaiah is a prophet. They know he's a man of God. They've done what our culture has tried to do. They would try to take a little bit of what God said and mix it with everything else that they believed and thought about and their neighbors believed and thought somehow that made them what God wanted them to be. So Isaiah writes in chapter 2, remember in chapter 1 we talked about the forgiveness of sin and the scarlet rope. All, those, all the messages are online if you want to go back and listen. But when he gets to chapter 2, he deals with a specific problem they have. Okay, Here's their problem. You have the same problem. They have a God-shaped hole in their soul. And every one of us has that God-shaped hole. The problem is... A lot of things can go partially into that God-shaped hole. And you'll think you're filling the hole until the next morning, the next week, the next month. Oh, it might be sex or pornography or alcohol or drugs or greed or money. It's a number of things that can, can sort of fill the hole. But the hole is God-shaped. So no matter how hard you try to fill that hole with something else... You're always going to come up empty. And I always ask people this question when they say, well, I've been trying my way for 30 years. And I just say, how's that working for you? And usually they say, well, not so well. I said, well, instead of a week, why don't you give God the next 30 years and let's see what he can do. All right, we'll read. It's going to be quick. There's a lot of, lot of information, but I want you to hear God's word. So stand with me. Isaiah chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 6. God is very angry at his people. Remember, we just talked about the great story of the atonement and the forgiveness of sin and how God offers all this. And then it says the Lord's abandoned his people. Why? Why would God abandon his people? Here's why. Let's look at the next verse. 
They are full of superstitions from the East. That would be from Iran, Iraq, Turkey. They practice divination, witchcraft, like the people from the Philistines. That's on the West. And they embrace pagan customs. They, they say, yeah, we've got God, but we'll take some of your God and some of your God and some of your worship and some of your ideas, and we'll pull it all together. Their land is full of silver and gold. There's no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Egypt, that would be to their south. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So people will be brought low. You're going to see this word repeatedly. And every person will be humbled. Do not forgive them, Lord. Go into the rocks. This is also in Revelation. It says people will hide in rocks and caves and they'll beg to die, but there will be no death. Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty. The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride will be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Lord Almighty has the day in store for all the proud and lofty. Are you seeing a pattern? For all of this is exalted and they will be humbled. For all the cedars of Lebanon, now we're going north, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan, for all the towering mountains and all the high hills, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, for every trading ship and every stately vessel, the arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And the idols will totally disappear. People will flee to caves and rocks and to holes in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord. The splendor of His majesty when He rises to shake the earth. In that day, people will throw away to the moles and bats their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made to worship. They will flee to caverns in the rocks and the overhanging crags from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of His majesty when He rises to shake the earth. Here's His advice. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but breath in their nostrils. Why would you hold any of them in esteem? You can be seated. So when you're trying to fill a God-shaped hole and you're listening to man-made ideas... That doesn't make much sense, does it? That's, it? that's his whole point. The pride of man will be brought low. The pride of man will be brought low. The pride of man will be brought low. Man will be humbled. Man will be humbled. Why would you listen to anybody who has breath in his nostrils when you know there is a God created overall? Why would you create something out of gold, silver, money, whatever it might be, and worship that when you know that's not God? He's being as blunt as he can be. But their first problem that he confronts is the problem of superstitions. Very similar to our culture today. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's one business right now in America that is absolutely flourishing. Fortune tellers. They're making millions because people are scared. People are scared and they'll, they'll tell me, they'll, they'll tell me what I want to hear. They'll, they'll make me feel better. No, they'll tell you whatever you want to hear for a hundred bucks. Not only that, but they're dealing with witchcraft, black arts, and you've just opened yourself up to literally the demons of hell. 
All right, the Bible's very clear. You stay away from anything to do with witchcraft, Ouija boards, seances, palm readers. There's all kinds of stupid stuff on Facebook just like this. Stay away from all of that. It's all witchcraft. He said, why would you partner with the witchcraft from the east, the west, the north, or the south? Man, they were sacrificing their babies. They were taking their babies and, and burning them alive. Does that sound like a culture you know? They were killing their babies because they thought they would appease some god of gold. They're building golden cows because that's what the Egyptians did. And so we'll bow down to them. But what they tried to do, it's called syncretism, and it is dangerous and the world pushes it on you every single day. And that is all religions are the same. Whether you take your baby and lay it on a, on, a, on a burning hot cow and you kill your child or you come and worship Jesus, it's all the same. I think not. Isaiah thinks not. And Jesus knows not. It's ridiculous. Syncretism is a terrible thing. And he says, why would you link hands with pagans? Now, that doesn't mean that we don't try to help non-believers find Jesus. It means that we don't let our Christianity become blended in with everything else. Jesus stands alone or Jesus doesn't stand at all. But Jesus will not stand and hold hands with all of these other pagan gods, made up gods, your idols, your superstitions. God simply will not do it. You know, I've been saying for years, I've been saying, you know, if you people like, I oh, pick a higher power, you can worship a tree, a soda can, uh, and, you, and everybody kind of laughs at me. Okay. Here's the story from this week Paul McCartney, and who doesn't love some Paul McCartney? All right. But Paul McCartney said he talks on a regular basis to George Harrison through a tree. There's a tree he goes to, and he and George talk to each other through that tree. Well, let me tell you something, Paul. You're not talking to George. Um, you're either talking to yourself or you're talking to a demon or both. Joe, how can you say that? Well, let me show you. This is in Deuteronomy. Every Christian ought to know this. At the very least, you ought to know where it is. It's in Deuteronomy 18. I'm going to read it to you because I want you to hear all of it. When you enter the land, the Israelites are getting ready to go in. Uh, they're taking the land. They're going into what we know today as Israel. It was the land of Canaan. And in Canaan is every pagan god you can possibly imagine. When you enter the land that God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations. Right? That word's fairly descriptive, is it not? Detestable, disgusting, out of bounds, God hates it. Let no one be found among you, here we go, who sacrifices their son or daughter to the fire, who practices witchcraft or sorcery or interprets omens, or engages in any form of witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium, or a spiritist, or consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out these nations from before you. You must be Blameless. Now, here's what the word means. It does mean the goal is sinless, but the word there means you will be different. 
You will not be in partnership with those people. You will be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you will dispossess, listen to those practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has permitted you to do so. We got one God. One God. And, I, and again, it's easy to fall into this stuff because it's all around you. I didn't know I was involved with witchcraft with this stuff. Well, now you do. And there's another word that's located inside this passage. It is the word pharmakia. All right? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to translate that one from Hebrew to English. Pharmacy. Every one of these acts that he talks about, it's got drugs mixed in with it. A mind-altering substance, whether we're talking about alcohol or a chemical or a plant or whatever it might be. He said, if, if you're involved in pharmacia, that is detestable to the Lord. Now, that does not mean a prescription for antibiotics. I think you understand the difference. But from early on, this is 3,500 years ago, God told Moses, you keep people away from witchcraft, paganism, syncretism, and you keep them away from the drugs because if not, one day they'll start talking to trees. And that's the culture that we live in today. And how is it given to us? It's spiritual. I'm a spiritual person. You're spiritual. You talk to a tree. There's a big difference between who you are and who I am when it comes to belief. You need to understand that being a Christian is a very unique place to stand. Well, if that wasn't enough, they've got another problem, not just superstition. Their second problem, again, just reads just right out of the American playbook here. It's silver. Silver and gold. He said, you want what the Egyptians have. You think, that'll do it. That'll fill my God-shaped hole, right? If I get enough silver, enough gold, enough houses, a bigger house, a nicer kitchen, I get more cars, more trucks, a newer truck, a bigger... How about a new wife? How about a couple of wives? How about a wife and a mistress? Mistress? How about a husband? How about a new husband? How about this? Did you ever have one of those little plastic things, maybe your kid or your grandkid, and you got to put the star inside the little round plastic thing? And you, you can try all day long to jam that star into the square hole. It's not going in. You can keep pounding away, but it's not going in. Because the size of the object is designed to teach them this is how it goes in. You have a God-shaped hole in your soul. And you can try everything the world has to offer, and eventually you'll realize it didn't work. In fact, at the end of the chapter, he said, what's going to happen? He said, he's speaking to the Israelites, but it'll work in every generation. He said, the day's coming when they will throw their silver and gold to the moles. If you don't know what a mole is, you haven't lived in the Midwest. Uh, you coax them to the top of the ground, beat them to death with a shovel. It's a fun, it's a fun, am I telling the truth, Midwesterners? All right. Yeah, moles are not good. They tear up your yard. Uh, there's some pretty crazy varmints. Um, but he said, you will take your idols and cast them to the moles and the bats because you'll realize this is not God. This is not, this is not the God that I serve. This is not the supreme one. And Solomon said it this way in Ecclesiastes. He said, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Now, here's what you may or may not know about Solomon. 
You see, we live in a day where, what, what are the two guys? You've got Elon Musk and Bezos. Yeah, they go back and forth, day to day, hour to hour, who's got the most billions, right? Okay, these guys, these guys were chump change compared to Solomon. Solomon's got money beyond money. He's got money that these guys can't fathom. And Solomon has got the women, he's got the money, he's got the power, he's got the palace, he's got it all. And he said, you know what? It's all meaningless. Because i got all my silver and gold stacked up over here, and it doesn't do a thing because I've still got a God-shaped hole in my soul. He said, this too is meaningless. I've got to find something else that will help to fill that place in my soul. And until you and I get to the point of understanding, and you know, inflation, I think, has a way of doing that. Um, a lot of times, if you look at what's going on in Venezuela right now, or what happened in Germany uh, before World War II, when you've got to have a wheelbarrow full of money to buy a piece of bread... That brings life into perspective. It doesn't matter how much silver and gold you have, but not only is it not about the value of the silver and the gold, remember, they were worshiping the silver and the gold. You say, well, how do I know if I'm worshiping something? Well, if that's your priority in life, what gets you going in the morning? What motivates you in the morning? Is it God? Is it your relationship with God? Is it what you're going to do for God? How you're going to connect with God? Or are you thinking about... That next piece of silver, that next piece of gold, that next step that maybe, just maybe will fill my soul. Which really all comes down to one other S, and the word is self. People have decided that I'm all that matters. Because we've tried the superstition, I've tried, I've tried the silver. So at the end of it, I might as well make myself happy. And whatever that means, whoever I have to hurt along the way, that's irrelevant. The goal is to make me happy. Do you know why you were created? Does anybody know? It's in Isaiah 40. You were created to make God happy. You were created to worship God. I was created to worship God. That is our primary focus. So if you cut God out of the equation... The only thing you have left is yourself. And when you start living for yourself, you're on a destructive path. Because sooner or later, you will. We all end up destroying ourselves. Let me show you again. God, God takes a beating. And I feel obligated sometimes to defend God. I don't know if you ever feel like that. Um, but I found out really God doesn't need my defense. He's a big boy. He's very capable. But I just want to, there's a couple things I want to run you through. This, this is a, a, a picture of a coelacanth, and I want you to look this up. Uh, it's about a six-foot-long fish. It's C-E-O-C-A-N-T-H, coelacanth. And the reason this fish is so important, uh, they decided back in the 19th century that this fish was extinct, and it was um, it'd been extinct for hundreds of millions of years. And there were some guys in Southeast Africa that they were telling them about this extinct fish. And the guys took them out on their boat and started bringing them in. You can catch this fish today off the coast of Madagascar. So, ironically, the fish looks exactly the same. There's no evolution. 
The fish today looks exactly like the fish they dug up out of the rocks. I've seen them. There's, there's one in the Field Museum in Cincinnati. I know what they look like, but you can go catch the same fish. You know, that fish is not millions of years old. That fish died in a horrible, crushing flood, and some of the other fish got away. And here, But if you look in a textbook, if you look in an evolutionary textbook, a biology textbook, the coelacanth is still listed in a line of animals that no longer exist and are part of the evolutionary trail, and yet you can go catch the fish today and we can have a fish fry. There it is. And yet, if you've decided there is no God, you've already lost sight of all of that. Um, Philippians 2, check this verse out. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but the interest of others. See, the, while the world says satisfy yourself, God says no. If you, want to, if you really want to be great, go out and serve others. Because God said, I'll crush everybody's arrogance. You think you're going to follow somebody that breathes when you could... When you could be connected to the one who gave breath to people? What, what have we missed in this process? Let me, give you some, let me give you some numbers, okay? You can feel free to write these down if you want. 33000 If your family makes $33,000, you are in the top 1% of earners on planet Earth. Now, that doesn't seem right because we just talked about Bezos and Musk. And you and I can't buy his shoes, their shoestrings. But if you make $33,000, you're in the top 1%. Isn't that crazy? Just giving you some perspective of how we're blessed. Here's another number. $30 billion. Okay? This is how much money it would take to eradicate hunger from planet Earth. Every year. Now, am I suggesting that we give handouts to the whole world? No. We get people to work. We teach them how to farm. There's a lot of things you could do. But with $30 billion a year, you could feed every single person on the planet. And then I read these posts. Well, your God is so horrible. Why would he let everybody starve to death? What a terrible God you have. Let me give you another number. $253 billion. Now go back. Can we go back to the last one? Right, there's what we need, right, to feed the world. There's how much Americans spent on alcohol last year. Americans, not the world. Now, I'm just showing you that just perhaps it's not God's fault. Perhaps God has given us everything we need to take care of business. We're just not doing real well at taking care of business. Let me, uh, let me finish with two stories. In, in Hawaii right now, if you're watching, the Kilauea has been erupting for a couple of weeks. And it's fascinating. I, I, will admit, I will admit that. Kilauea is fascinating. Pay attention here. From a distance. <laughs> right? Wouldn't you agree with that? I like watching the helicopter shots, watching the lava filling up the, the caldera. It's amazing. But do you know they've had to put extra deputies, extra rangers on duty to keep people from walking up to the lava beds? And I'm scratching my head, but then I thought about what our job is and what my job is. 
most of the time, I'm dealing with people that say, I want to see just how close to hell I can get without falling in. Instead of saying, it's really hot over there, I think I'll go as far away as I can. Folks, that's why Jesus died. If you haven't accepted Jesus yet, at the end, there'll be folks right over here on the right, Palm Bay to land to the right. If you're watching online, there's a button I have decided. But why would you say, well, let me just see how close I can get before my feet get singed off. Why would anybody have to stop you and stand in front of you and say, I don't want you to go to hell. Why wouldn't you say, I want to go to heaven. Jesus paid the price. All I got to do is accept him. <laughs> why would you not? Go for that. One last story. Titanic always helps. You know, there, there were a lot of pastors on the Titanic. And they really did preach to the very end. Um, you see a little bit of that in the, the newest movie. But the guys were preaching and begging people, please accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And one guy was particularly blatant about screaming, no. No, I will never accept Jesus, to which the pastor took off his life jacket and threw it to him, and he said, you're going to need this far more than I do. That's all we know about the story. I don't know how it ended. I don't know how your story is going to end. You get to decide when you get the information and you get the life jacket what you're going to do. But I do know this. There's a God-shaped hole in your soul, and only Jesus will fill that hole. So, Father, I pray right now. I don't know who needs to make decisions. I don't know who's watching online. I don't know who's close to making a really bad decision, and they'll realize today how much they're loved, that there's a God who wants to fill up that hole, that void, that brokenness inside of them. Lord, I don't know what you're doing in the midst. I ask that your Holy Spirit would move mightily in people as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.